you are the creator of your happiness. And now more than ever, what's going on, like this is your wake up call. So if before the COVID-19 hit your city, your town, your country, whatever, you weren't happy with your life, I hope that after this, you get up and do something about it. Welcome back to NYC Local Guides. I am your host, Jennifer O'Brien, and I interview New Yorkers from creatives to CEOs and everyone in between. For more NYC resources like ebooks and videos, visit nyclocalguides.com. If you've ever wondered what it takes to be a New Yorker or just want to hear some crazy stories, keep listening. This is a Brooklyn bound two express train. The next stop is. Jen Marilla is an impact travel blogger and a mentor to entrepreneurs. She grew up in a Cuban household in New Jersey and got her master's in social entrepreneurship in London before coming back to work in a marketing agency in New York City. As season two of this podcast is exploring New York City stories close to COVID-19, her mom, dad, and grandfather have all been impacted, and she has been using her influence for good to spread helpful information and explain why it's important for all of us to stay home. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, So let's start by learning more about you. Do you consider yourself a New Yorker? Um, Yes, I do. I've lived in New York. Um, So I went to college in New York City. I went to Pace University. So I did my bachelor's in marketing. Um, And then after, after college, I worked in the city and lived in the city for about two years before I went off to do my bachelor's, I mean, my master's. Um, And then after I did my master's, I came right back to New York and I was living in downtown and Brooklyn and then back downtown before I decided to leave it all behind to travel the world. (laughs) Uh, But yes, I would consider myself a New Yorker, especially because of the area that I grew up in. If anybody's familiar, it's like very, um, it's Jersey, but it's not like the Jersey Shore or anything like that. It's right across the Hudson River. Like my backyard is New York City. I can actually see it in my backyard. (laughs) So yeah, it's quite, it's quite beautiful. and, And I'm so grateful for that. But yeah, so I would definitely consider myself a New Yorker. Absolutely. I also agree that that is considered New York and it's yeah. it's so close that it's sometimes closer than a lot of areas of Brooklyn. I, I totally agree with that. And how do you define a New Yorker in general? Um, so to me, a New Yorker is someone that, <laughs> this, I love this question because I actually said this to one of my girlfriends the other day. I'm like, a New Yorker is someone who's definitely lived in New York for, I would say anywhere over two to three years. And they know how to like walk, talk. They know New York like the back of their hand. But I think more than anything is like walking in New York City. Like, you know, you're a New Yorker if you can walk faster than anybody else. <laughs> and you can't, you don't like Times Square. Like you avoid Times Square at all costs. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Times Square. I love it to see it from a distance. It's so beautiful. And if you're a tourist, you should go see it. You should go be in the middle of it and like embrace it. Um, but being a New Yorker and seeing it every day and being there all the time, no, I'm not a fan of it. And then obviously, if you're like in love with pizza, right? Um, yes. And if you know how to tail a cab, and even better if you know how to drive in New York, because that's like that's a whole other that's a whole other dynamic. That's like bone. That's like brownie points if you know how to drive in New York. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So true. And did you have a crystallizing moment when you kind of realized, like, wow, like I'm a New Yorker? Um. It was definitely when I was in college and I was living, so I was living 
I've only ever lived downtown by Wall Street in that area, which bef- right after 9-11 changed drastically. It was like a ghost town. It was like within reach to live down there. Whereas like now it's almost like ridiculously impossible to like get an apartment down there. But I lived there for a bit and then I moved into Brooklyn and I was in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn Heights for a while. And I remember um, like living in Brooklyn and just like being all over Brooklyn and then just like hopping on the train, being in Manhattan, going to work. Cause I worked for an agency, a marketing agency. Um, and one of the girls that I was working with, um, she was from Boston and she was on it. She was in an internship for six months at this agency and she had just gotten to New York and she moved to the Upper East Side and she was like, I don't know how to like get anywhere. Like, and I just remember being like, Oh, this is easy without even looking at a map like the subway Mac and be like, Oh, just hop on the six. And then you're just going to transfer to the four or possibly like the a train to go all the way down. And like, I was just saying this and I didn't realize that I was saying it and I was just saying it so naturally. And like, so yeah, I'm pretty good with direction. So I was just like that. I kind of took a second and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm officially a New Yorker because I know how to run these trains. <laughs> like no one's business. I know how to get around. Um, so I think that's when I realized like, Oh shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then what were some of your stereo, what were some negative stereotypes growing up that you saw for New Yorkers and which ones are wrong? Um, that New Yorkers are rude. Uh, I, I think like there's just, there's definitely a group of, and I think this is anywhere, right? Especially and Jennifer, I think you can back me up with this, like just traveling yeah. the world. Like there are definitely, there's two types of people, right? There's nice people and there's rude people. There's kind people and there's rude people. And there are rude people in any major city. Um, so I think that they do exist in New York. However, for the most part, New Yorkers are kinder than most people think they are. Um, and I think that's like a massive stereotype that like, you have to be a New Yorker. You got to be rude. No, we definitely have some tough skin. Like we've been through a lot. Um, I also think that because we're such a major city and even everything that's going on right now, um, we definitely have, we're on high alert. Like I say this all the time that New Yorker has made me the woman that I am professionally and personally. And I say professionally because I have worked, I've lived in five other countries around the world and I've worked in these countries, right? So I've lived in Australia. I've lived in London. I've lived in Spain. I've lived in Brazil. Um, so, so that's, oh, in Costa Rica. So that's five. Right. And I've worked like I've, when I say lived, I mean like over three months, I had an apartment, I paid rent and I had a job at these places. Right. And they, I've been so successful in all these places because I have this New York hunger. Like when I set my mind on doing something, like it gets done period you know, and it over exceeds anything or any expectation that any client or customer wants. So I say that professionally, that's why New York built me. And then personally, um, you know, living in these countries, Brazil, not one of the safest places in the world, London, I would say probably just like New York. I mean, there are certain parts of London because London is a massive city that are extremely unsafe. Um, and I've just been very, very high alert. So very cautious and mindful of like my surroundings, who I'm with, watching people. And I think New York has definitely taught me to do that. You know, I walk the subways and always looking out. There's, you know, police officers everywhere and army men everywhere all the time. Um, and I know that's probably sounds scary to most people, but I feel like to us, it's just like a natural thing because it's such a major city, you know? Absolutely. I totally agree. It does prepare you for travel and for mm-hmm. other places. So many times when, when parents and other things, other, other 
individuals will worry and say, oh, you're going to this place. I'm like, I live in New York. Like, New York <laughs> I'm, I'm totally prepared for this place that might seem scary, but yeah. I agree. New York prepares us for a lot. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, definitely does. I remember like um, the first time I had an internship um, in, co- in after college and um, it was the summer of college. And like, so I was definitely commuting way more um, and it was like uptown and there was a homeless man and I was with the, the other girl that was doing the internship with me and she was much younger than me. And there was a homeless man on the corner and he was talking to himself and like, we just kept walking by and he was obviously not mentally well because he started screaming like just something. And he was referring to us. Um, but she like turned around and she's like, should we say something? And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, keep walking. I was like, who cares if people are looking at you? I'm like, it doesn't matter. And, I was like, and she's like, oh my God, how are you not scared right now? And I'm like, no, just leave him alone. You know, like he's having his moment. <laughs> Let him have his moment. <laughs> yes. yeah, and I feel like that happens so often in New York. It really does. Yeah, yeah. So you do a number of things. What do you say when someone asks you, what do you do? Um, God, that question. Okay. So (laughs) I think that like after five years of doing this, I finally have the answer. It really depends. And I I mean, I got to hate to admit this, but I feel like this is like, whatever, you know, this is the, the real thing. So I started as a blogger and I still consider myself a blogger, but I also call myself like an online educator because I teach people how to build online businesses, right? And um, and it's two types of businesses. Like if you want to be a blogger, an influencer, I got you. And if you want to be a business coach, I got you. But at the end of the day, the underlining thing, the underlining factor is an online business. Um, and what I've come to tell people is I have an, I either say I am a YouTuber Right. Or I say um, to kind of in notion like influencer marketing, that kind of stuff, because people really resonate with that much easier than saying like blogger and influencer. They automatically think like, oh, that's like a hobby. But it's like, no, I actually make a living and I make money out of this. So it's not really a hobby. <laughs> it's my yeah. career. Or the other thing I say is um, I'm an online educator and I teach people how to build online businesses. So those are like the two that I go for. And it really depends, like I said, if I'm being honest, where I am, um, depending on the event or the networking event or who's asking if I know. And if I have no idea, then I typically just say, oh, I'm you know, an online educator, um, an influencer, and that's it. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way to sum it up. And there's so many different ways to explain the same thing. It's Fascinating. Um, <laughs> you shared a great post on Instagram recently about consistency versus human connection. Yeah. I love this message. It's, you know, two posts with that you make a, a real connection with are more important than posting just to post. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me more about that and what inspired it and why you believe in this? Uh, so we live in, oh God, I feel like Jennifer, what's going on in the world right now could not be more significant. To what I'm about to say is like, we live in a generation where we're constantly on digital, right? And I don't, and obviously this is what's made my career. So I'm not saying this is a bad thing at all. Um, What I am saying though, is that there has to be a balance and there has to be a balance within the way you communicate digitally and the way you communicate face-to-face. Like there is something to be said about old schooling the system. And what I mean is I have worked with people from all over the world and even getting on a Zoom with them and having that face-to-face conversation or having a cup of coffee or a drink with them changes the dynamic of the human connection versus just communicating via text 
or via social media. And when I say social media, I mean like Facebook Messenger, Instagram Messenger, et cetera, right? I think there's so much more value in that. And you start to realize, especially in the kind of, I mean, I wasn't just a, I'm not such a regular travel blogger, right? I travel for impact. So I was carrying clean water filters to developing countries. I'm a huge advocate of that. I still um, push for that. And it's just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I was, um, I was actually supposed to be in May, I was supposed to be in Africa, you know, building a water well, obviously that's not happening anymore. <laughs> um, but like that's, that's the kind of work I do. And, and I found that when I, I started being a blogger and I started traveling in that capacity, it opened my eyes to what I wasn't seeing. And what I mean is, yeah, it's great that I connect with people all over the world online, but it's so much more impactful when I'm on the ground and I'm meeting these people and I'm building that connection. Like it'll, it'll curate through social media and then it'll just get even stronger when I meet them in person, if that makes sense. And so just like that whole dynamic of creating a balance and being authentic, like there's absolutely nothing wrong with me telling people, yes, I've been doing this for five years. And when I talk to certain people, I kind of don't know what to say I am because I do two, two different things, right? And some people would say that and they'd be like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like you've been doing this for five years. And some people would agree and be like, oh my God, that's so real. That's so raw. Like, I guess, you know, I feel the same way about what I do, et cetera. But I think coming down to that human authenticity, um, it, there's something very gratifying about that within yourself and then that other people can see as well. So for me, it's always been, if you've got nothing good to say and it's not coming from a place of love, like pure love and, and love could be anger. Love could be frustration. Love could be grief. Love could be sadness, whatever. If it's not coming from a true place of one of those things, then just don't say anything at all. And having, because that creates human connection. Does that make sense? It does. What a beautiful message. And you've all also skipped ahead to my next question about impact travel. And maybe I'll, I'll reframe this question instead of telling me more about impact travel, which you've totally started to do. Maybe tell us how can others, hopefully when this is settled, settled down, make a bigger impact on their travels? So I don't even think they have to wait until, you know, they, the travel picks up again. Like we know the travel industry will pick up again because it's what builds economies. So it's just a matter of time. Um, but right now what you could do to get the ball rolling is like donate a little bit. And people are like, oh, but you know, I want to save the yeah, Like, listen, I get it. Like we're, then this is the thing. We're all in the same boat. Everyone's trying to hoard their money. Everybody's trying to save their money because they don't know what's going to happen. And I think that there is a part of that that is important and you should do that. But I also think that if you can spare $5, it'll come back around times 10. And I've always had that mentality with the work that I've done and how I give money. You know, just the other day, I wanted to do one of my local restaurants that I'm always at um, and I love so much. They're doing like, you know, um, a relief tipping fund for the staff. And I, I literally had like 50 bucks in my account. And I was like, I don't want to tap into my savings. Like, I just want to spend these 50 bucks, but I also need to like go to the store and get some groceries. And so I really evaluated like, okay, Jen, you can get your $20 groceries and then tip $20. And the funny thing was, listen to how funny this is. So I did just that. I donated $20 and then I was like, you know, fine. Went to the grocery store. Do you know what I found on my way back from the grocery store? What? 20 bucks. <laughs> I freaking love that. I swear to God. And I was like laughing so hard. And I was like, wow. So I think that there is just um, to remember a few things, right? Like we're all on in this together. 
at the end of the day, we're all in this together. I understand that it is more difficult right now because we're spending and we're, a lot of people aren't making. But even if it's just a dollar, even if it's just $2, right? Always believe and trust that like it'll come back tenfold. And, it, and it's going to come from a place of like, if you're giving it from a place of love, amazing. If you're really giving it from a place of scarcity, then don't do it. But there's also nothing wrong with not giving either because you can't. Something that I say all the time is like, you can't fill another cup with an empty cup. So, and I think people now have to listen to that more than ever. I'm doing fine. You know, I'm not struggling and I'm so grateful for that. I have struggled in the past. So I know what that feels like, which is why I totally understand. And there's nothing wrong or right about this, you know, current situation. But I think that right now people can do, even if it's just a little bit, they can play their part. And then later on down the road, you know, when they want to travel and, and give back, is shopping at the local places. You know, if you go to Mexico, don't go to the Starbucks in Mexico City and buy a coffee. Go to the local coffee shop and buy coffee. Um, Go to the local artisan store and buy clothing. Like, start giving back to the economy because it all goes in full circle. Um, And if you didn't realize that then, you'll realize it now because in this country, I think that's what we're going to have to start doing. We're going to have to start going to small businesses before we go to the big guys, right? Especially after this is over. Agreed completely. It's so it's so important. And I can't wait to go to my favorite local spots for restaurant and foods after, all after this. Girl, you and me both. Yes. <laughs> I like, miss my friends, like my bartenders and my, you know, yeah. my baristas. I'm like... <laughs> it is. It's so, you, you build a relationship. It's so you strange do. to not be able to support them right now, but I can't wait. Um, And so you've directly been affected. Can you tell me more about what happened with your family, when and how your mom, dad, and grandfather have been impacted? Um, Yeah. So this, I think like it's, you know, have you seen the meme where... It's like the, the, the child or like the kid yelling at his parent, like you can't go out with your friends like that. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's definitely what was going on. So my, I come from a Cuban household and if anybody that's listening to this and has like any Latino or Hispanic culture, they know a hundred percent that like the way you were raised was very family oriented. And I have an older sister. She lives in Connecticut and she has, you know, a husband and two beautiful kids. And so she's, you know, she's not as close as I am. So I'm very much in communication with my family and I'm super close with them. And I had told my parents, I was like, Hey, listen, I think this is really getting serious. I don't think you guys should be like going out and you just please be careful, like wear gloves. And they were just like, ha ha ha, like it's not going to be a big deal. Like we're going to be fine, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, cool. Don't listen to me. And then, <laughs> and then um, they went out to dinner with some friends. So this is where we think they got it from. They went out to dinner with some friends and somebody at that dinner had a quote unquote cold. Um, and then just like four days after that, that's when my dad just started, started to show symptoms. So I had been in contact with them before they went to this dinner. After they went to this dinner, I hadn't, I hadn't seen them. So that, so they had a dinner, I think it was like Thursday or Friday. And then Monday, my mom calls me and she's like, Hey, you know, I have good news. I have bad news. And I'm like, all right, give me the bad news first. And then give me the good news. And she's like, well, your dad woke up um, coughing and he has a fever and he has body aches. And I automatically was like, shit. And he, she was like, no, I think it's a cold. Like, you know, your dad, he's like, he's always getting sick, especially around this time because blah, blah, blah. And yesterday she's like making all these excuses. And I was like, mom, I was like, 
how do you feel? And she's like, Oh, I feel fine. I feel great. Everything's fine. You know, everythinging's fine, fine, fine. And I was like, mm. I was like, I don't know about this. And then, so sure enough, Wednesday was done. Tuesday comes and my dad's feeling worse and he's got high fever, body aches, and now he's coughing. And what I had read, I started at this point, I started doing a ton of research. And what I had read was the difference between the cold and this, the coronavirus is that the cold has like phlegm versus the coronavirus has straight like dry cough. And I, I have asthma and my dad has asthma. So I was listening to him cough and I'm like, dad, there's no phlegm. And he's like, no. And he's like, there's no phlegm. And I was like, oh shit. And then he had all the symptoms, all the exact symptoms that it would be. So my, the doctor, because this was still early on, which is kind of a blessing in disguise. Um, the doctor was like, Hey, there's a place in Midland, New Jersey, where you can go get tested. So he went right away and he went to get tested and they told him that it was going to take a few days to get the results back. By the time the few days had come, my mom already started to feel sick. And my dad had the symptoms times 10. So his fever was going up. He was coughing way too much. Um, he was So he has an asthma machine and he was using the asthma machine and the asthma machine would help him for about four hours after he used it. Um, he was taking Tylenol every six hours. So the fever was going down to be like massive headaches. Um, and he just looked depleted. And then when my mom started the same symptoms, not the coughing, but just like the body aches and the fever and the headaches, and then she started to look depleted, I was like, oh shit. Now my 93-year-old grandfather lives with them. So, and this is to to give you guys some like laughter in this whole thing. Um, So my dad gets sick first, three days later, my mom gets sick. So three days after my grandfather starts to feel sick, but this is the thing, my grandfather's in early stages of dementia. So anybody that's ever dealt with something like this, they know that it's like one day you're great. And then the next day, God knows where he is. He's like probably somewhere in like 1959 in Cuba. You know what I mean? Like he's no idea what's going on. So they basically, they basically like locked him in his room. (laughs) They were like, you can't leave. Like, here's your gloves. Here's your mask. If you have to get out, like you have to tell us before, like you have to stay in the room because you're going to get sick, whatever. He doesn't, he didn't understand the severity of the virus. He kept thinking that it was just the flu because that's what he kept hearing. Like it's the flu times worse. And he's like, yeah, but I've already been through the flu and I survived. Blah, blah. So one day I call my mom and this is like a good day. Like her and my dad are feeling a little better. And I hear my dad's like laughing because my mom is yelling at my grandfather and she's like, you have to stay in your room. And he's yelling at her and he's saying, it's okay. I have my flu shot. It's not a big deal. I'm going to be okay. It's just the flu. (laughs) And he was just like, I just want to go outside. Like, just let me go outside. Like, poor guy. Like, it just broke our heart. But at the same time, you have to laugh because he's, he's 93 years old. You know, he's in his early stages of dementia. Like, he doesn't realize the, the severity of it. Um, long story short, sure enough, three to four days later, after my mom got sick, he got sick. And he just went from zero to 100. And like, for example, I spoke to him Saturday evening um, and he was fine. He was a little bit out of it, but like we just assumed it was the dementia. And then sure enough, Sunday afternoon, he just hit 103 and just started coughing profusely. And then they rushed him to the hospital and they had said that he has bronchitis and they couldn't do anything for him. So they sent him back with like antibiotics and, you know, and he was being taken care of. So long story short, my mom is, you know, 
almost recovered. She's probably three days away from completing this whole thing, which is really good. I just spoke to the doctor this morning and my dad is doing great. He's getting better little by little. It's a really slow recovery. Um, hopefully if he continues in the, the positive direction, he'll be home by Saturday. And then my grandfather, on the other hand, unfortunately, yesterday he was rushed to the hospital. We don't really know what the situation is because we haven't spoken to his doctor this morning. But last night they said that he was very weak, um, really dehydrated, and they were going to monitor him and his oxygen level was low. So we shall see what happens with him. But yeah, it's definitely really scary. And I think the hardest thing is like, being away from them and not being able to do anything. And even if it's just like going to the supermarket to get what they need or taking them to the hospital, I mean, they went with the ambulance, but like even the possibility of doing something like that, you can't, you can't do it because you're not only putting yourself in danger, but then you're putting anybody else that you come in contact with after that, but with the possibility of you actually catching the virus. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I have the symptoms or what if I get the symptoms, like it, it's all very, it's just, it's like almost like a, a ticking time bomb and you're just like a sitting duck, like waiting to see what happens. And it's just, yeah. Ugh, it's so terrible. I'm so sorry you're going through all of this and to have so many members of your family impacted, it's, it cannot imagine. And ugh, you're only able to talk to them on the phone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, I cannot imagine. And thank you so much for sharing your story on Instagram and, and where you've been sharing it. It's been really helpful to hear. Um, so can you tell us more about, again, why it's so important to stay home? Well, so this is the, I don't, that, and I'm so happy that I'm doing this and I'm so excited whoever listens to this. And I hope that you share this message, um, whether it's here in New York city or somebody gets word of it in like another country that, you know, you're a couple weeks away from us behind us behind the United States, excuse me, uh, be aware that we're the cause of it if that makes sense. So our generation, like, and I mean, and I, and listen, it affects everybody differently. Like I spoke to my doctor and he was telling me that there's somebody in the hospital who's 23 and intubated. And that's a 23 year old. Like it's not a joke. This person probably won't make it. And that's really freaking scary. So no, you're not in the clear. It affects everybody differently. And we're the host, like we're, we're hosting it. And you can have two types of people, you can three types of people, you can have the people that have the symptoms and get over it, people that don't have the symptoms and are carriers, and then people that have the symptoms and could severely, you know, get ill from this, right? And the most important, what's happening is the majority of our demographic and our age group is getting the, I don't have the symptoms, I don't have the virus, I'm okay. Or I have it, but I don't have a lot of symptoms, but I'm going to get through this. And this is great because you're thinking of yourself individually, but what you don't realize is that this virus like stays everywhere. So I don't wear gloves and I go to the supermarket and I touch, you know, um, the railing, the, the cart. And then this little old lady comes after me and, and I have the virus, right? And she touches it boom, she's got the virus. Like it's literally just like that. It lives on surfaces. It lives on metal for up to five days. I think cardboard up to 24 hours in your clothes up to 24 hours. Like it's crazy how it just lives on surfaces that you can just get it so easily. And I think that's what people don't understand. So right now, I mean, I've gone running a few times during this whole thing. 
I'm not going in parks. I'm just like running on the street, but I'll see people in parks gathered together in clumps, just having conversations. And it's, it's like, look, nobody wants to be home. Like nobody likes to be home when they're told to be home. Nobody likes to be told to do something you're not supposed to do, period. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so every, like we're all in this together. You understand that it's not about you individually. It's about the people that you're affecting around you. And if, if at the most you don't even care about yourself or the people around you, think of the, the people that you, that, that do affect your life. Like you have someone, even if it's like one friend, think of them and think of their parents like people are dying and it, it shouldn't have to be like this. And it's not just like random people just because you don't know them. That's someone's mother, father, brother, sister, grandfather. Like it's no joke. And going and, and what's happening now is that the people that have it are probably asymptomatic and they're still going to the supermarkets every day and the supermarkets are going to get dangerous. And it's like, no, go to the supermarket, buy what you need for two weeks. And when everything is done, like when you literally have like a bean of rice left, then go back to the supermarket. I went shopping for the supermarket two weeks ago and I just went this morning, Jen, Jennifer, yeah. to the bodega to get a almond milk because I didn't have any. But I, I have more than enough food here. I don't need to go to the supermarket. And I'm trying to eat everything I possibly can before I go back again. Like the, I don't, I know that if, God, you know, God forbid I get this. I'm, I'm, I feel confident enough to know that I can get through this. However, it's really scary to watch the someone you love not be able to get through this. Like for, a, for, for a couple of days, there was a big part of me that was like, holy shit, I'm not going to have a dad anymore. And nobody should have to go through that. Like that to me is like, shit, you know, Sorry, I'm cursing so much. I wish people could like see it, you know, like, and the thing is, Jennifer, and I, yeah. I have so much faith in our humanity and there's just a very, there's a small part of me that's like, nobody cares until it's affecting themselves the, directly or the people they love directly. Until then, they will gallivant the city, they will gallivant the town, holding hands, touching things, like it's a joke, like it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. But it's like, no, it's not going to be fine. The world doesn't revolve around you. You don't have that much control. Like, wake up. Agreed. It is a dangerous way to think that way. And yeah. uh, so what is your wish for humanity that we learn from all of this? What will you appreciate more and how will this experience change you? Oh, that's such a good question. I'm going to share that after this. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, so my wish for humanity is that this is the wake up call that we need. I think we have been living very unconsciously. Not everyone. I think there is a group of people that are consciously aware of life. And I'm not talking about like spiritually or religiously or woo woo or anything like that. I'm just talking about life. Like there are people that wake up and do this routine every day and hate their lives. And they do it because they were told they have to do it because that they don't know any other way and they just feel like they're stuck, but they refuse to get control of it. And there are people that have realized like, actually you are in control and you are the creator of your happiness. And now more than ever, what's going on, like this is your wake up call. So if before the, the COVID-19 hit your city, your town, your country, whatever, you weren't happy with your life, I hope that after this, you get up and do something about it. Like, 
you're still here. You're a living being. You're breathing for a freaking reason. If you weren't supposed to be here, trust me, you wouldn't be here. And I don't think people realize how much of a wake up call this is. And I hope, God, I hope, and I even, I even say this to my dad as well. You know, I hope that that this is his wake up call. You know, he didn't take care of himself like he need like he needs to. You know, he's a six year old man and he doesn't. And I, I hope that this is what he walks away with. Me personally, I mean, Jen, I, I think I've sh- I've shared with you my personal story of like, you know, what how I started this career and all that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's you know, for those of you that don't know that are listening, I had a younger brother and he passed away, and that absolutely changed my life and, and the way I think about life, which is why I am the way I am, right? But I don't want people to have to go through this in order to realize it because that's just a terrible curse. But I will say that. If you are listening to this and something resonates with you, take it. Whatever resonates, take it. There is a comfort in comfort. Like we live very comfortably. And I've I've always been very grateful for everything I've had, even before this and even after this times 10. But there has been a part of me for the last couple of months that has gotten really comfortable with creating that routine. And it's not a bad thing and it's not a good thing. So what I'm trying to say is like, instead of holding myself complacent to like, oh, I can't do ABC, I can't do, you know, ED, you know, EFG until I do ABC, I'm just going to do it. You know, like there was a part of me when I started this career, I just started traveling that really had no idea what I was doing. And there was the, it was a beauty and a blessing in the ignorance that I just kind of went for it. And I almost had like the balls to do stuff. Whereas like now that I'm a little older, I'm a little cautious and I'm a little more mindful and more professional. And there's a part of me that's just like, you know what? Screw it. Like I want to do these things. I, you know, I want to change the world. I want to help people and I want to continue to do what I love. And now more than ever, like this is just for me to, after this, continue to shine, continue to move forward and move the needle and hopefully inspire others to do the same and not only inspire, but actually like create that possibility for them to know that if I can do it, they can do it. You know, there's nothing special about me that isn't special about them. Wow. What a beautiful message. I can't imagine another amazing way to end this podcast. Thank you so much. And tell us where do we find you and follow you? Um, so you can find me on generilla.com or at generilla on Instagram, the social traveler on Twitter and generilla on YouTube, basically generilla anywhere. Um, but if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm super responsive there. Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more NYC resources like ebooks and videos, visit nyclocalguides.com. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.